that Oko deck is just complete nonsense. And the whole premise of <laughs> you got to have one banned card in your deck and that's it. And there's is just two banned cards in that deck. <laughs> that's also just, well, yeah. And that's not the only one The the dredge air quotes deck mm-hmm. has Hogak. It's a Hogak deck with zero dredge cards and it has Hogak and Faithless Looting. Mm. And it might be the bridge from Bullet version. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I was going to ask, does it have bridge in it? <laughs> yeah, I, I and there's a couple other decks that don't clear that bar. But like the point of the format is not to me. It's not play with cards that have been banned, even if the decks themselves are unrecognizably unplayable. Right. It should it's, be play the banned decks. play with the banned decks. <laughs> right. Which would be like, you know. Like Oko, Oko was Astrolabe, Mox Opal. too good, but if people could only play it in like shitty teamer Utopia Sprawl decks, like it would barely have been banned. But it still would have been banned because the card's just obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Casey responded to me on that uh, when I pointed out that deck. And he's like, you know, if this was the only deck you could play Oko in, it, it would still, still be, be the, the best, best deck, deck in the, in the format. format. Right. <laughs> Which is funny, but I, it's just the premise of the event is just wrong in my opinion it's not a play with band decks format or event it's a play with band cards format and here's some decks that we found yeah and that's like not why a, right. why limit it to one band card per deck like assuming that's even what they did which is it isn't but why limit it is that's it, not how modern works is it's it not from like different eras too like is it so yeah so it should be like fully powered like I have Ugin Eldrazi versus yeah. like Urza Oko versus Hogak with Bridge KCI, or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, matter. Versus like, KCI. Like, yeah, just all of the like super nonsense modern decks that were legal at one time. It's just not how magic formats work. You don't like a stop at one of your very powerful cards and be like, all right, that's enough. I'm good. You just yeah. play all the ones you're offered. You also don't really ban cards, right? Like, you ban a card because the deck is abusive. So, Oko is a slightly different story, but, you know, Hogak the card didn't get banned. Like, Hogak the deck got banned. And they tried to neuter it with Bridge from Below, not because they were attacking the Bridge from Below card, but the Hogak deck. Right. Because, you know, Bridge from Below, never a problem in modern, never playable in modern until Hogak came along. (sighs) It's a neat event, I guess, but... It just doesn't make sense the way they structured it. No, the the execution of it doesn't like make me want to play it. It's not like really exciting. One of the things I did disagree with was people being like, kind of laughing at the counter, the Wild Coddle deck, being like, "Haha, this was banned," mm-hmm. but they also just didn't update it for, you know, years after Modern. Modern was what a year or two old when Wild Coddle was banned, yeah. so it's got. 10 years less worth of cards than any of the Oko decks. But right. I think that's just how it should be. Yeah, it's it's show the banned decks from different eras of modern. It right. should be like the actual deck that like won the PT or whatever at that time. I don't think Countercat won the PT, did it? Yeah, I, no, I don't it's think so. Twin won it. it yeah. And it just did real well at that PT and then at Worlds and then it got banned. But it didn't mm-hmm. win anything. Sure. But, you know, the one that was actually showing up, take an actual human beings list that did well in stuff and then put that into the thing. Don't just like grab and especially don't just grab like a some random Utopia Sprawl deck when Utopia (laughs) Sprawl was not the way that we were breaking Oko at the end of Oko's life in modern. At that point, you might as well just play the Oko burn deck. Yeah. 
It's a burn deck. It has Oko in it. This is the deck we included because this is how powerful Oko was. <laughs> yeah. Played and burn. I'm kind of interested <sighs> in hearing your arcane take. It might not be nuanced and well thought out. That's fair. Because I have a weird relationship with the whole lore for that universe, I guess. Oh, see. Kind of like magic. Like, my perspective is that I didn't know any of the lore of the universe. I don't care to learn any additional lore for the universe, and it just is a really good show that stands on its own. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. Because I do think it's a good show. It's just, I was disappointed when I learned they were making a season two instead of a different season in a different storyline. You know, mm. if that makes sense. Well, given... Right, right. It would be nice if they... If it were a little more self-contained, given the ending that season one did have, like, it's clear that they need to yeah. continue that particular well, story. I would have been happy yeah. if they just didn't, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is a kind of cool way. But they also did a really good job of making you, like, really fall for all of the characters and, like... Most of them. I don't like several of them. <laughs> I mean, but you're invested in them, right? Like you know I'm, yes i'm extremely invested in victor and vi and jinx like the writing was strong enough that and, and the like character arcs were well thought out enough that i just like you know i'm invested in where these characters go i, I mean i'm gonna watch season two immediately yeah not there, there's no question about that yeah it's just i, I kind of wish they'd done it picked up a different story thread sure like, and had a three more episodes to this season and they're just done a different series yeah i think that would have been more interesting i i can see that i don't know i'm just like pretty happy with whatever they give us at this point this is just one of yeah. my favorite shows of the year and visually and just st like the bridge fight oh my god the echo jinx one yeah, that one is very good too. There are a lot of fights on bridges in this series. <laughs> that that's true, but that that's the one I'm thinking of. Just that 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 one was incredibly good. It was so good. Oh man, just whoever was like the lead on that, I hope they are super proud. One of the things I saw that they I don't know if this was like a Twitter post or whatever from Riot, but one of the the runners of the show wanted to have like a music video in each episode. So mm -hmm. they had a specific song and tried to find a moment for a music video in every one. Yeah. And most of them, like, they just integrate very well. Like, that mm -hmm. fight between Echo and Jinx has... It's a music video. But it fits within the whole theme of the show, and it's really good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the one, the episode where they used the theme song did not execute quite as well. No. For me, but that's just mostly because I am not willing to listen to an imagine dragons song at any uh, point in time yeah i imagine so this show took six years to make and i know that they worked with imagine dragons for like one of the theme songs for their world championships but it was like mm -hmm. a long time ago like maybe seven years ago so this to me kind of syncs up with like oh they have just a working relationship with these people they're talking to already so i think right. that's when they just put threw it in there but I, I don't know how accurate that is and Imagine Dragons makes sense as a theme song for, like, a video game champion. Because, you know, those, like, always have the worst possible music that you could ever imagine. So, you know. Not it, Riot's, it, though. Riot's it, music's it, actually very good for yeah. the most part. Imagine Dragons is kind of the... The low point. <laughs> yeah, the low point. <laughs> I was going to say an outlier. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I guess we should talk about Magic the Gathering at some point. 
We could I talk mean, about the Arcane X Magic the Gathering secret lair, but... No, that's garbage. <laughs> what a strange thing to exist. I think it's so much funnier that the I see Reddit posts that people link to me because I don't look at Reddit for Magic the Gathering. It's a good way to go crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, someone just did like 30 or 40 cards of secret lairs from screen clips of Arcane. Mm-hmm. And they were just all better than the ones that Wizards <laughs> used. <laughs> Like, not even close. And they did, like, 20 just for basic lands. Because mm-hmm. there's a basic land secret lair. And obviously, mm-hmm. all the basic lands that they used in the Reddit post were far superior. Because they're all they're all clips from the show. Although, I will say, what secret lair, whatever, don't, don't care. But the uh, space basics and space shock lands. Excellent. Oh, baby. They really knocked it out of the park with those. Those are you... beautiful lands. For the okay, the shock lands are great, but for the basic lands, do you prefer the? God, I hate how they named these. The planetary ones are the ones when you're on the planet looking at the environment, and the mm-hmm. orbital ones are when you're in the orbit uh, looking at the planet. Okay, so I think that the orbital ones are like kind of cool, but I don't like. I have a thing where I would like for my lands to be the land types. Uh, generally and so like that's why i like i don't like the the theros full art basics because it's just like this is not a swamp this is a a black mana symbol and so a a planet that is black is not a swamp or purple is not a swamp to me a planet that's red is not really a mountain to me so they don't quite do it for me they're like they're really cool looking and i love i love retrofuturism i love just generally like big splashy science fiction art but they don't quite work for me as basic lands. I don't like the orbital ones very much for mostly mm-hmm. the same reason. They also don't have mana symbols on them, which is different than the other set, which does mm. have mana symbols and they're custom. They're like atomic mana symbols. Yeah. So that was okay. very odd. Like, well, I definitely want the ones with the atomic mana symbols. Like, yeah, like if you're going to make like a cool mana symbol, why isn't it on the other one? And the other one just like doesn't have it at all. There's no mana symbol on a planes. Yeah. It's just relying on color cues. My, like, desire for the basics to be the land types that they are apparently just doesn't actually extend to duels because the Godless Shrine, I think, is just, like, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I mean, half of all of the white-black art is just an eclipse, so... Yeah, <laughs> like... but this is, like, a a black hole event horizon, right, is what it's supposed to be, I think? Is it? I have to look at it again, and I don't know where to find it easily. It's but fine. I, the picture in my head is just a, like, a moon over a planet or something. But you could be right. I believe it's a black hole, but I I could be wrong. That that's just how my brain interpreted it. I'm currently like deep deep in a like just massive interstellar space opera that is like extremely ambitious. So that's where a lot of my head is at right now. So anybody who is interested in that sort of thing, I will highly recommend any uh, Alistair Reynolds novel. Really, I, I can't really like pick between them are they all self-contained or is it like a big series so some are set in a similar universe a couple of them are like trilogies he is like finishing off one of the bigger ones that that consists of like three 700 plus page novels already and he's finishing off another one um the one that i'm reading right now it's called house of sons is the one that i'm reading right now and it is a standalone one so it's like a very good introduction to his style so highly highly recommend but Anyways, Magic the Gathering.
Hey everyone, welcome to episode 223 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Grapple, with me is Lee McLeod. Hi Lee. Hey Chris. I mean, we've been talking for like 20 minutes already, but oh, yeah, how are you? Talking. And I'm probably going to keep a bunch of that in as the cold open anyways, so, you know, everybody will have been hanging out with us for a while. Nice. I'm good. I figured since we have the set championship coming up this weekend, uh, no deck list leak, unfortunately. So the best <laughs> we can do is a format or is a format overview of standard and historic. But you know, I I think that's a fine thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I knew this championship was coming up. And of course, the last set was Crimson Val, so I like Googled Crimson Val set championship trying to find it. Turns out it's just called the Innistrad Championship. <laughs> okay. Which, okay, that's that's neat. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, right, there was not a Midnight Hunt one. So. Yeah, it makes sense, but like the, I haven't seen any marketing or anything for it, so. Yeah. I don't know, I'm supposed to know to tune in. Well, they don't actually care if people watch these things, like they would rather not do them, so. Oof. Hmm. I mean, what, like, tell me I'm wrong, right? No, I'm not going to do that. It's been clear... <laughs> I, they wanted people to watch the MPL, but made absolutely no effort for that to happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and then they just like threw a tantrum about it, basically. Uh, yeah, essentially. But this one, this is a historic focused, right? It's historic and standard, but historic is the top eight format. Okay, I, I don't know. It's historic no. and standard. <laughs> I do know that. That is one thing I'm certain of because I I went to the wizard site, okay. Magic.gg or whatever it's called. And I dug through this information and found it. Why is it called magic.gg? Because it, you, if you're a gaming site, you have to be .gg now. Is anybody else .gg? There's a lots of people that are .gg. Lots okay. of stat sites for other games I play are .gg. Okay. I think it's more of an unwritten rule than a real rule. Well, I mean, they did a thing where they really like tried to push these, these top-level domains as, uh, you know, def- for the type of site but I don't know how much it's actually stuck. But I guess I guess we're trying. We got some GGs out there. So standard, I think the only changes we can talk about are like pretty subtle ones because it says a little, little bit of the same stuff as before. <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone's kind of tight-lipped, really. Like, we don't have deck lists for the championship, which are always going to be way different than the stuff that's come before it. Mm-hmm. and all we have is the stuff that's come before it yeah so we don't have any of the innovations yet yeah it's the same mono white uh is it stuff though people are way less on Holebreaker horror now and more back on epiphany from what i've seen and then just you know various other decks yeah various. i mean i don't i don't feel good about epiphany just like again being the thing but i do feel kind of vindicated for my little rant last week like <laughs> Uh, the is it decks are just generally a mess right now. There is no consolidation of card choices or like win conditions. I think this is unfortunately a premium article, so uh, a lot of people probably can't see it. But Brad's article this week about his tournament prep just sort of like listed all of the different variations of is it decks that were <laughs> popping up in results, and it's just like you can have anywhere from zero to like eight 
of the creatures, like between Leers and Hullbreaker Horrors and some amount of dragons without making the jump all the way to being a dragon's deck. Uh, you can have Epiphanies or not. You could have the entire Epiphany combo in the sideboard as one Red Bull untapped player did. Uh, <laughs> so there's just not a consensus on how to build these things. I think one of the big differences, you know, there's you're making a serious choice when you choose between Hullbreaker Horror and Epiphany combo. Uh, Hullbreaker Horror, certainly very, very good in the mirror in particular. But against Mono White especially, like Hullbreaker Horror just isn't going to get the job done in a way that a different win condition will. Especially since Mono White is much higher on like Fateful Absence or Valorous Stance. They've mm-hmm. always got them. Yeah, And you can't afford to just have your 7 drop be killed and go on your way. You're dead. Right. And if... Against a deck like Mono White, often you are spending like all of your all of your resources to keep from dying. And a Hullbreaker Horror, like sometimes you just like don't have the lands to do it before turn like a million. Sometimes you just don't really have many or any spells left after you cast the Hullbreaker Horror, and you're just hoping really hard, even if you do untap with it. You know, not that Allrun's Epiphany is necessarily always that great against Mono White, but a lot of times it's like I can cast one gives me some blocks and buys me a lot of time and then maybe I can combo or I found my Leer and now I can win from here and Hullbreaker Horror has a much harder time of doing that so just no clear direction that the Izzet decks are supposed to go from here it is definitely a like too many good things problem like there's just too many good cards for the Izzet decks and it's hard to know which are the right 60 plus 15 to play pretty much the other decks in the format are not nearly as varied, Mm-mm. in my opinion. Though, there was a really sweet one. Let me see if I can find it. Because I know it top eight at the challenge this weekend. Okay, so this eighth place by X-File. It's a Jund Mulch deck with Diagraph Rebirth. A oh, really, yeah, really this. sweet deck. So this is like all uh, early drops that provide stuff. Like Shambling Gaspel, Darren Epicure, Blood Tithe Harvester, and Prosperous Incure. I'll give you a blood or a treasure. Mm-hmm. And then you use Felstinger and Deadly Dispute to get rid of them to get cards. And once you got stuff in your graveyard from that or Mulch, uh, you can Diagraph Rebirth, which is a flashback rare. Or actually, it's an uncommon. Wow. Uh, but it costs one less for each creature that died that turn, and it's a Zombify. So it's a really cheap Zombify if you've had multiple things die, and you try to get Tovlar's Huntmaster or Toxtril the Corrosive, which is that Slug Horror, mm-hmm. to just like go over the top. Yeah, I, I really like the design of this deck. I've literally never seen it played a game. I just saw a top eight of this challenge, and I was really into it. Yeah. To be fair, standard challenge is kind of small, so this top eighted with a 4-2 record, but it is very sick. I, I definitely love the idea of this thing. The red splash for Voldaren, Epicure, and Blood Tithe Harvester is maybe something that could be worked on, but... I, I don't mind it. You do need, like, the blood is really good in this deck yes and true. I imagine if your mana just works because the uh the, the slow lands and the pathways are pr- pretty good for that yeah like, yeah maybe you're not giving up that much like it's not like these are double colored cards maybe just and you're a mulch deck like yeah and you don't have to play epic here on turn one or anything certainly and you have a, a fair amount of treasure so it's probably like fine but it is really weird for like the two red cards in the deck to be a one drop and a two drop and none in the sideboard and you know 
It's well, not this like, sideboard looks like it was thrown together in like four minutes. So. Yeah, this is not a real side. But the four duress, four go blank, four path of peril sideboard is uh, probably not optimized. There's also a fourth tox rule. Like, what do you need the fourth slug against? <laughs> right. So this is just I couldn't think of a card sort of situation. I still like I still like this deck a lot though. It's it's really sweet. Yeah, and I I think there's a lot of room for iteration on this thing. To, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm in for any mulch. Uh, Diagraph or any mulch flashback thing, which mm-hmm. I'm kind of bummed there are no flashback spells in Crimson Vale. But yeah, really, really into this. I also love how like you can't get killed with Epiphanies through a Toxeroll the Corrosive Cause... because of the slugs. The slug yeah. is like a what's that card called? Oh, Night a, of Souls uh, Betrayal. Night of Souls Betrayal. Yeah. yeah. So you know, text of Toxeroll. It's a seven mana seven seven. At the beginning of each end step, put a slime counter on each creature you don't control. Creatures you don't control get minus one, minus one for each slime counter on them. And then there's other text. But you get a little slime whenever, or a little slug whenever a creature with a slime counter dies. Yeah. So, and this is actually one of the ways, like, it never really worked the way that I think the players were trying to make it work. But playing against Coma with Allren's Epiphany was like kind of obnoxious because each time you got an upkeep, they got a 3-3. It, it, it wasn't really good enough, but this thing actually killing all of the birds and then giving you, sl- you know, the point of casting Galvanic Iteration, Allren's Epiphany is like, whatever you have, I will get the turns and the birds to beat this. And, you know, there's certain boards that that actually doesn't work against. Sometimes Clerics, like, gains enough life and has big enough flyers that it just doesn't... You can take, like, a lot of Auron's Epiphany turns and it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, and I think Toxtral can do kind of a similar thing. A similar thing when I was playing uh, Godfrey's Gift deck. Mm-hmm. when That deck was really good before Dominaria came out. And when Dominaria came out, Lyra was printed. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, your 4-4s could never beat a 5-5 five, five first five life creature. linker <laughs> yeah. no matter how many times you attacked it just wasn't gonna work <laughs> yeah similarly like i have been on both sides of they're at 60 and they have several like seven nine or larger flyers in play <laughs> i can't beat them this game i will deck before they die uh and and so like Toxroll, i think can be kind of a similar thing however many birds you have like i there is a certain vulnerability to getting your Toxrel unsummoned, and that's probably not an ideal thing to have happen. But, you know, you're not going to have everything. You're going to lose some games. I'm just kind of scrolling through these challenge results. There's another 4-2 deck, which is good enough for a top 8 record. Just blue-black control, but it's not uh, Leer-focused. It's got Imrith and Sorin as kind of mm-hmm. top-end card advantage cards and then just uses like removal spells and stuff that seems so weird that you're not going into leer for like the same kind of thing just because you want to play counter spells i think it's right so so i was gonna say exactly that it's entirely matchup based it's i want to play counter spells and i want to play the win condition that's the best against other blue decks because leer is like super medium against other blue decks and cuts off your ability to play counter spells like Imrith is a solid threat against the epiphany decks like is great against goldspan dragon decks i don't think it's a great card and i don't know that it's a choice that i would make but there's a clear purpose to that decision making what do you expect we'll see i, I, want, I keep going to call it worlds but it's not it's just as a championship <laughs> yes what do you uh, think we'll see in Amstrad champs like what do you think are the the decks you'd expect to see most often like there's a matrix here 
mm-hmm. uh, that the MTG data did, which has a lot of decks on it, but honestly, most of them are just is it. Yes, that's pretty fair. And it's kind of annoying looking through results like a bunch of times, like, is it control is actually just is it epiphany? I think that, you know, is it is obviously like sitting there being the big thing in the format. And then mono white, the, the format is getting pushed to the two extremes, just kind of as it was before, but it's even a little more significant because the white deck is that much better because it has a really good one drop and has Thalia now. In a format like that, it becomes really different to split the difference and do, you know, something mid-rangey. Playing Meat Hook Massacre is a great way to beat Mono White, but I have not seen a Meat Hook Massacre deck that can get above about, like, 33% against the Izzet decks. So that's a really tough spot to be in. So I, I think just, like, it is really difficult to find a place other than Mono White or Blue Red one thing that I, I think is pretty defensible is, and I was thinking about this and then read Brad's article and he was just like, yes, I am doing this. But <laughs> uh, when the metagame becomes as focused on like those two decks as it is, is it in particular, like we see all of these lists are playing two Cinderclasms, they're playing the full four Spikefield Hazards. Uh, they are very tilted to deal with Thalia and the rest of the white cards and that's what they are aimed at trimming on fading hopes no cyclone summoners in the sideboard and this can give you an opening potentially to bring mono green to the table and when your is a deck is tilted to beat mono white you are significantly worse against mono green it's just a totally different threat suite and the cards that are good against mono white are not that good against mono green the problem with that though is that you just suck against mono white like i don't know how to build mono green that isn't just trash against mono white yeah, so I think that's actually where you probably want to try to find the mythical black mid-range deck with a mm-hmm. Meat Hook Massacre. Like, I've seen people try to play different treasure-based decks or vampires decks. Yeah. Trying to find, like, a, a, a reasonable mid-range game that can also play the Meat Hook Massacre. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen one that's been performing well consistently. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, like, Orzov shows up on this chart... But I don't actually, and it shows up, you know, with a 54.8% win percentage and like doing just fine, obviously getting crushed by is it, but doing pretty great against anything else. But then you don't actually see it in any top eights at all. So yeah. It, and it's the, the list they gave as an example is the, it's the Edgar one. Mm-hmm. So the, the Shamblegast, I Twitch, Deadly yeah. Dispute, Felstinger, Edgar stuff with Blood mm-hmm. on the Snow. And Meat Massacre. That's what they mean by Orsov control. But you're right. I don't see it in basically any results. And I think they pull almost all their data from MTG Melee. So it mm-hmm. could just be tournaments that we're that aren't huge that we're not looking at. Sure. Um, and I mean, I do have like quite a bit of respect for this Orsov deck. Like Edgar is actually like quite good. And the the Meat Hook Massacre strategy in this deck, you do smash mono white like it's pretty ugly uh, and you're fine against mono green as long as you know how to play that matchup. And uh, so like it has a good positioning depending on if you just mostly play against faceless Haven decks. I don't know that there are enough go blanks in the world to fix that. Is it matchup though? It's just not like, I think you, you're mostly just giving up on it. If you register a deck like this. 
Yeah, because your main deck just doesn't work against theirs. No, you can't play all these 1-1s. Like... Is your plan to attack with like Shamblegeist and 2-1 Lolt Spiders until they die? Because that is not going to work. <laughs> no. And I mean, I think that if we do see a Brute... So I think that if we see a new deck come out that is like really good, I think it's very likely that it will be a Meat Hook Massacre deck that is somehow putting a suite of permanence into its main deck that is acceptable against is it like one idea that i have seen is like concealing curtain as part of your suite in the deck but i think you need like more beat downy stuff to back it up with like more weird threat kind of things that can actually hit hard and it is probably like i think you have to move away from the planeswalkers and maybe move away from blood in the snow in order to make it a deck that can actually like be acceptable against all portions of the metagame. And moving away from Blood in the Snow does make you a lot worse against Mono Green. So then that's tough. I mean, it seems like almost every deck is like can give up some matchup points to get Mono Green. But the problem is like the Mono Green decks aren't doing that well. Mm-hmm. So there's not a ton of reason to play them. Yeah. So I, I think that's still fine. Mm-hmm. It's oh. just I don't know what you're your mid-range suite of black cards is right now right i'm not totally sure but there you know there's some four drops that like hit a little harder i mean maybe it is again you know like we were talking about before maybe immerstrom predator maybe it's a a black deck like a a goldspan dragon mid-range deck that is a meat hook massacre deck or something you know sure i i'd be down for all of these black decks to get away from blood in the snow i don't that card is good against monogreen, but it's not good against anything else. Right, and you can just play four Meat Hook Massacre, and you're totally fine against Mono White, and you're, those are doing the job. And, you know, yeah. bringing up a, a Perilous Path from the board or whatever you need to, to get up to the number you want. I, It's funny because I, my Kenny plays a lot of Arena, my roommate, and every time Blood on the Snow gets cast against him, he's usually playing some white deck, some mm-hmm. sort. Uh, he's just like, why is anyone still playing this card? It doesn't do anything. I mean, I've won a lot of games casting Blood on the Snow. It is, when it's good, it is really good. Yeah, but I don't think the format has uh, ever been the place for it. So, I mean, it buys you a lot against Mono Green because it's actually the only way, or it's the most effective way for your mid-range deck to outgrind the mono green deck because their cards are all worth a bunch of cards. <laughs> yes, that's true. And, you know, it's a thing that you... When you're casting Shambling Gasts and Eye Twitches against mono white, you're not trading them for cards. You're, like, buying time towards, you know, Meat Hook Massacre, very good, and then usually you can do something from there. But the something that you do from there like blood on the snow is an acceptable thing that you do from there in that matchup uh but it is so bad against the blue decks that i do think that if a meat hook massacre deck is successful in this tournament this weekend it's likely to not be a blood on the snow deck yeah i I think so too and honestly i'm not expecting any black mid-range decks really from I guess that's not fair. I'm not expecting this Orzhov deck to show up at all. Right. I'm expecting either some sort of Amherstrom Predator or Treasure style of deck, mm-hmm. or I'm expecting closer to what uh, Sam Rolf was playing, like a blue-black control deck with Meek Hook Masker. 
Yeah. I think that the key is just Meat Hook is so good against Mono White, and then you got to build your deck from there. Obviously, you can't have just Meat Hook against Mono White, but if the rest of your deck is cards that do things, then it, it's a really big deal, especially with your own creatures in the deck just to force like weird tempo plays and extension onto the board and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't... I don't really expect to see anything truly revolutionary in standard. I, I, I'll i bet a bunch of people gave up and played a version of Is It, and a bunch of people gave up and played a version of Mono White. I, I mean, mean I, those decks are extremely strong. Yeah. So can't blame them for that. But and, and, maybe some of the Japanese players will show up with something spicy. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, maybe some tempo-y blue deck can fit in there. I don't really know how you beat the white decks with that. It sounds impossible to me. But, I don't think you can, but you know what? Dream on, Delver people. I I would love to see some cemetery illuminators hanging around, some like Cinderclasm cemetery illuminator decks. That's that's A that's cemetery my cemetery illuminator, the blue one. Yeah. Okay. You don't believe? I'm not big on the cemetery cards. I'm I not wish, either. I wish the white one was like reasonably good. Because you'd assume white is like a graveyard hate color. Mm -hmm. It would be at least somewhat good at it. It's like the the one that doesn't get anything when it attacks for some reason. It only gets it on ETB. The red one doesn't either, but the red one has actually a good effect if you like tag the right card. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The white one just kind of sucks everywhere. It makes no sense to me. That's really weird. Yeah. It's like worse Ameria Angel years after Ameria Angel. (sighs) Yeah. I think it's funny in this in the Saturday challenge, multiple Esper control decks in the top eight, and they are only Esper for sideboard cards. And in the main deck, two Edgar Charmed Grooms getting splashed into this blue black control deck. Just you really a, turned around on Edgar since the set review, and I liked him, and you didn't. <laughs> I don't think it's good in this deck. I like this. It's yeah. pretty surprising to me to see the Edgar splash in a blue black deck. Yeah, in this Esper, Esper, in this blue-black control deck, it's really just, here's my value for a drop that's I don't have to invest too much into. That's kind of all the card is. Yeah, this deck is real weird. I mean, just the suite of two Edgar Charm Groom, two Henrika Dumnathi, two Imrith Desert Doom, three Soren the Mirthless in those, like, four and five slots. It's, that's an odd set of things to me well you see the edgars pump up the vampires from henrika and soren so you got to keep that into account mm-hmm. yep graveyard trespasser is really good in these decks though that i will yes. say yeah graveyard uh, trespasser is excellent it's just a workhorse yeah it does i mean it you know does life gain does blocking uh often like is big enough to survive your meat hook massacre which is really nice and it does a really good job in the blue mirrors where you don't have spike field hazard and it gives you ways of getting rid of their uh, benevolent geists from their graveyard before they can cast them. And sometimes the iterations, the Gavank iterations. Mm-hmm. I've often discarded or wanted to discard a, a Gavank iteration to a windfall. Yeah. Like early in the game, just because it has value later. Right. But you can't really do that if graveyard trespass is involved. Yeah. And it clocks you like pretty quickly. So that is my favorite part of playing of the blue black decks is the like counter spells and graveyard trespassers like a really nice setup to have oh what else is there in standard i know that i know we haven't been talking about it for very much but honestly the format's just kind of in this lull waiting for this tournament yeah it is and hopefully something comes out of it 
I mean, here's what here's Abzan sacrifice. This is it's just I mean, this is just the it, it's oh, just white just black the, Edgar deck. It's just white black. Okay. Yeah. Just has a containment breach in the sideboard. Thanks. Don't forget about pest summoning. A green black card you can cast with only black mana. <laughs> yes. It's possible something like probably like one Magda deck will make the top eight, right? I mean, I guess not play in the top eight because it's historic, but you know, somebody with Magda's in their deck will do gonna well. Gonna do well. Exactly yeah, one is, person will. Yeah, likely. And it's probably gonna be it could be a green based more gold spanny Jaspara Sentinel, or it could be black based. I've seen a lot more clean black based magnet decks recently mm-hmm. than the the green ones. I don't know if that's because it's like flavor flavor of the monthy or people just kind of bored of the green ones, but I have seen the the red ones or the black ones more. Yeah. I don't expect to see, despite it like kind of popping up in results surprisingly consistently, I don't expect to see any Orzov clerics at the set championship. Uh, it is one of those decks that like really benefits from playing against one or two opponents in a tournament who don't really understand what's going on and prioritize badly and like use removal spells on things that actually just didn't do anything. Uh, and you play against a fair number of people like on ladder and in these types of tournaments that that happens, but that is not going to happen at the set championship. So you're just going to like be under 50% basically. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if we see any Edgar based sacrifice deck or clerics deck, the two Orzhoff pillars of the format. <laughs> I, I mean, some people will, you know these tournaments are big enough that some people will register the like the orzov deck there will be a couple registered it probably will be enough is it in the field that it's not a good idea it's just it feels like such a mistake to register a deck that's such an uphill battle against is it you have to really figure out how to beat that deck and i hope they do because that'd be Mm -hmm. neat but i don't know how to do it yeah. I mean, if we were still in the era of everybody's just playing Holebreaker Horrors and, like, Epiphany has been shoved to the wayside, then you can, absolutely. But we're not there right now. People are playing Epiphany. And sometimes you duress them and they have an Epiphany foretold and a Galvanic Iteration in their hand. And, you know, you don't have any black cards. That, I mean, Go Blank obviously is very good, but... Goblin only many... does so much when your pressure tools are just not very fast. Right. Like that text. It's just not. Yep. So I hopefully we're a little bit surprised by what happens this weekend. But we don't know yet. We haven't seen the lists. Do you know. know when lists come out? Is it like Thursday or Friday? I know they're due tomorrow on Wednesday. I could have swore because I was in a Twitch chat earlier with uh, Canister and he mentioned that Deckless submission has already happened. Hmm. That was today. So I had like specifically heard that it was due later than it had been in the past, and it was but because someone was testing and they had already submitted their deck, and Kenneth was like, "Why didn't you test before you submitted your deck?" (laughs) (laughs) So I'm pretty sure decks have been submitted. Okay. Well, yeah, but they have not been released yet. Certainly. On to historic, shall we? On to historic. So, so the, I'm I'm let me let me preface this one. Mm-hmm. I have no idea about anything in historic. That's fine. All. I'll 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 take the lead <laughs> on this one. There is no way for me to know what is going on no. in historic. 
without actually playing Historic. The entirety of my knowledge here is based on watching streams and playing a little bit of ladder. That's it. Like, there's no other way. Decklists don't exist. Tournaments don't exist. I And, and I nothing. have no... I have so little reason to go out of my way and figure out what's relevant in Historic mm-hmm. because it just doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't come up. Like, I don't know how... they. I mean, they just need to do more things to make it relevant. I don't know. Like, I don't... I don't know what they can do, but it, like, right. they've had like two historic arena opens of mm-hmm. all time. I think. Yeah, we've got a draft open this weekend, which is kind of cool. But they said it couldn't be done. Yes, it is too bad though that it is the new, like kind of bad Innistrad and not the previous really good Innistrad. Yeah, the sweet Innistrad. Yeah, I have heard this set described as a step up from Absent Restored, so it's got that going for it. Yeah, I heard somebody call it like <laughs> the best possible version of Absent Restored. <laughs> so you know, high praise. You know, there's fun stuff. Like the blood mechanic is definitely a good limited mechanic, but I think the blood mechanic is just a good mechanic that's kind of uh, mm-hmm. not wasted on this set, but it definitely could have been expanded. Yeah, better. Uh, but you know if you just like it is so wild if you look at the commons versus the other the uncommons and the rares it's just the best common in like three of the colors is one mana it's just like this is the efficient thing but well i i can't remember who it was but i saw a discussion on twitter between two limited people that and one of them just got frustrated and said i don't know why we spent so much time talking about commons the commons don't matter (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like you know you're not wrong (laughs) right like you don't end up in a deck via like obviously the commons make up a significant portion of your deck still and they are important to how your deck plays out but you never end up in a deck because of commons like you're taking uncommons and rares and then you fill it up like yeah that's just how it goes i love lantern bear that's a sweet card it's flying <laughs> yeah. men and then it disturbs into plus one plus one and flying like i i love that card but the fact that it's the best blue common by a significant amount and then meanwhile like a black rare is a seven mana six six that turns one of your creatures into a copy of it every turn what <laughs> yeah i mean well one of them's a rare so it's exponentially more it's not even a mythic it's the most (laughs) unbeatable thing i've ever seen and it's a rare so it's so funny to hear people call rares these these cards are just so unbeatable because i've heard that described about four or five different rares in this format and a couple mythics Mm -hmm. and it's true of all of them yeah Um, yeah. halana and elena the 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 gruel one red green one yeah impossible to beat like come on are you being serious right now guardian of faith or judge of whatever whatever it's called the judge the the The, flashback enchantment the yeah the one white white four four defender flyer that can attack after three turns and then seven mana you get an enchantment that kills them in three turns what unbeatable like you can't beat it 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 has two unbeatable cards in it yeah sarah (laughs) angel and you lose Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh Toxrel. Not not remotely. It just gives your creatures it gives your opponent's creatures minus one minus one every turn. And it stacks. And they yes. get slugs when your creatures die if that weren't yes. enough. It's 
unreal, but silly to complain about. I, I mean, we've had a couple of unfortunate limited formats in the middle of some really, really great limited formats. The AFR, pretty bad, but several before that, very quite good. Midnight Hunt was a really, really good limited format. So sometimes they miss. It's fine. I have high. I have pretty high hopes for Kanagawa because I'm I'm banking on Ninjutsu being a mechanic. It's just <laughs> the best mechanic they put in Kamigawa. Mm-hmm. So if they don't reprint it, I'm going to be very disappointed. Excellent limited mechanic. Yeah, and and not that the previous Kamigawa sets have like any impact on the quality of these sets, but you know, like Champions Limited was good. Like it was very, it was like, very good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it got progressively worse as they added more sets, but <laughs> correct. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> Savior is one of the worst sets of modern times. Like, it's worse in a different way from like Absent Restored, where it wasn't bad because like it just wasn't all the cards were just lopsided, all the cards were just unplayable. Right. So you there, didn't even want to draft them. There were a lot of uncommon five mana instants with no text at all. Like, <laughs> one of my favorites is a ritual that is four mana and only works for the number of cards in your opponent's hand yes <laughs> it's just like excuse me <laughs> i think the the sweep mechanic is just my favorite thing about that set like what's more fun than picking up all of your lands are you gonna well, really enjoy this there's only two types of sweep cards ones that you can't play because you can't afford to pick up all your lands mm-hmm. or charge across the araba which right. ends the game after which you pick they up they are all your dead lands. so it doesn't matter that you picked up your lands yes <laughs> anyways historic defining feature of historic now, or the defining thing that has happened is that memory lapse is gone, and that is a pretty tremendous sea change to the format. Just this incredible two-mana answer to anything that helps you get to your late game. Now you gotta choose cards. I Every deck I built for Historic started with four memory lapses. I don't think I... I guess except for Phoenix, but I usually was stealing lists for Phoenix. Every deck that I actually built for Historic, though, like started with four memory lapses. So, you know, new era has arisen, and that's a really good thing. Is Phoenix still top dog? I know Phoenix was was pretty good for a while there. I think it's definitely one of the best decks, and I think pretty reasonable argument for it being the best deck. It was in a little bit of a holding pattern because it simply did not have enough cantrips particularly instant speed blue you know like if it had access to peak or whatever it would have been fine but then it did get consider so it has the correct number of just blue mana draw card cards it has dragon's rage channeler so you just have a a incredible set of threats to play with you can build it in a couple of ways Zan really loves his like hyper hyper aggro all in strike it rich otherworldly gaze version of the deck. Is otherworldly gaze the mill three card with flashback? Yeah, it's you know it's very clearly very powerful, but certainly like it's all in rest in peace or narset or whatever like create huge huge problems for that version. So I I do think that some version of Phoenix is likely the best deck and at minimum like one of the top three decks in the format uh it just has a lot of good cards you can build it like faster or slower like you can build it as slow as like having several archmages charms main deck if you really wanted to i think that's unlikely to be the best way i think the best way is probably dragon's rage channeler sprite dragons phoenixes a couple of crackling drakes cantrips removal spells 
like a finale of promise or whatever and then just you're doing the good stuff as consistently as possible and you know sprite dragon and crackling drake are very good against most of the stuff that phoenix and dragon's rage channel are struggle against so simple and powerful yeah just normal phoenix stuff in a Mm -hmm. format with enough cantrips and power level enough to support it yeah and anytime your opponent is like just playing magic the gathering like creatures and removal spells and you're playing phoenix they're not just ready for you in some way like you just absolutely dumpster them and i think this dex does it to a lot of the actual decks in the format still so yeah i think phoenix is really good at that it's got a similar check on pioneer at the moment Mm -hmm. where phoenix is kind of like not the best deck because no one really knows what the best deck in pioneer is but it's definitely like really good and it just checks everyone trying to do something moderately slow or or lumpy or whatever phoenix just gonna run you over yeah yep or outgrind you if you are a mid-range deck because their threats come back so well the grindiness in the pioneer deck is specifically now tied into time walks so (laughs) it doesn't even really matter like you just give them a turn they copy a time walk and you're dead yeah it's not a not about grinding anymore they have uh galvanic iteration and the delve time walk right that's what they're doing temporal trespass i think is what it's called just to like keep on the Yes, Memory Lapse is banned, but blue is still, like, maybe the best color in Historic. The control decks still exist. They are a little bit worse because they don't have Memory Lapse, but they also don't have to play against Memory Lapse anymore, which is a pretty big deal for those decks that are trying to, like, cast Teferi Hero of Dominaria. You know, these decks are mostly based on the strength of Teferi Hero Dominaria and Archmage's Charm, I think, are the two best cards in the deck by quite a bit. And you can kind of do whatever other suite of things around that you want. Uh, you want some sweepers. You want some early counterspells. Sensor is kind of the main replacement for a memory lapse that, that we have going in there. You can add, depending on what you think you're going to play against, some people play as many as four Shark Typhoons, which I have <laughs> a hard time believing is correct given Archmage's Charm. And given how bad Shark Typhoon is against other parts of the format, like, I'm not sure that I understand those builds very much. Uh, I don't have any insight there. Shark Typhoon is a really good card. And every time I've wanted to cut them from a deck someone has, like, offered me to look at, Mm -hmm. they've been like, I don't know, this card is, like, insane every time I play it. And I'm just like, all right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I can't argue against it because they're usually right. Like, Shark Typhoon does overperform. Yeah. It's just, it feels like it should be more vulnerable. Yeah, but, you know, it's got the buyout of Cycle for two mana, which happens yeah. a reasonable amount, and just, like, it is low cost enough that maybe you can't just play four. You can play these control decks as blue-white or as Jeskai. Jeskai, you mainly get Expressive Iteration and Lightning Helix are the things. Uh, you can also do Magma Opus Torrential Gear Hulk. This is one of those things that I personally just go like, why every time I see it? But I may just be wrong on this. Like a lot of people, a lot of good players really like it. And it does give you just a hammer for matchups where I like you can't control the game for forever. So I get it. Uh, and it is particularly good against creature decks and can help you. Like if Phoenix is out grinding you game one, you can steal it by doing this. And it can be hard to steal it other ways so. it's like the cruel ultimatum of this format essentially mm-hmm. yeah i like the idea of if you don't want to play red in your deck i really like you can play thirst for knowledge and portable hole 
And that's a, a really cute little suite where if you need to get the full value out of your thirst for knowledge, it's often because your opponent is not playing small creatures. So it's a, a nice little combo, but you don't need that sort of card drawing engine if you're playing expressive iteration in your deck. So is that better than just like thirst for discovery, the new one? I don't know how many basics you end up playing or if you want to discard lands or whatever, but maybe. Like, Thirst for Discovery is pretty solid. I So most of my knowledge of Thirst for Discovery is in limited formats where you have a lot more basic lands, yeah. typically. So that's probably why I'm, like, much higher on it. Mm-hmm. But I haven't, like, looked at the blue-white control decks enough to know how many basics they're playing or that sort of thing, you know? Right. And, I mean, you don't want any Thirst effect in the Jeskai version, you don't need it in yeah, your you iteration deck. So you would only be trying to run it in the blue-white deck. The blue-white deck, though, does run a fair number of non-basics, just because you, like, fit castles in as much as you can and stuff like that. So Castles, creature lands, field of ruins, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They're also worth noting in kind of this category of deck is the variety of control deck that is doing Lotus Field stuff. I would kind of be surprised if anybody registers one of these in the tournament. Like they're I think fun. Seth Manfield was playing it a little bit. Yeah, I don't know how serious that was, but I know he was playing it. I I think ultimately it's not a serious deck. It's sweet. It's like really fun and really cool. But every time I've watched somebody play it, like they just have games where they draw like two or three. Is it Stern Proctor or Strict Proctor? I think it's Strict Proctor. They draw like two or three of these like one threes or whatever, and it's not good and then they die so yeah it's a card that counters triggered abilities unless they're controller phase two or something like that yeah and so when you play your lotus fields obviously you don't pay the two and then you counter that ability like the deck just has like a lot of weird blanks and air and it's really powerful when it does lotus field but it's really bad when it like draws stifle and and strict proctor and, and nothing to do with them yeah yeah, it's got a lot of air that doesn't convert very easily to real cards. Right. And then they like play bad cards to make those things better, like Chance for Glory, because you can stifle or or Gideon it, like, but it just like ends up you have a lot of hands that are just like, oh, these cards are all really, really bad. It's nice when you can combine bad cards to like win the game immediately, and it's mm-hmm. significantly less good when you combine bad cards to like have a reasonable outcome. Right, to make like functional <laughs> turns. Yes. That's kind of my bar of where I see bad cards. Like I'm fine with bad cards as long as you do something extremely powerful. But if yeah. you're just like putting together a reasonable synergy you could also accomplish with good cards, it's pr- probably time to find somewhere else to look. Yes, yes. Like you can play Icker Wellspring if it allows you to kill your opponent you can't just play icker wellsprings for value like sacrifice it to oswald i mean yeah that's sweet but it's sweet but it's not good enough you you need a kci in your deck to play that card and i think it is kind of similar with putting stifles into your historic deck that's that's how i feel about that kind of category of of card yeah so i i put these down in a weird order so i probably you know, like, Rakdos Arcanist still exists. I think it's unplayable. Other people keep trying to play it, but you literally, like, somebody casts a rest in peace against you and you just are dead. It's not fun. Is it because it's vulnerable to the same stuff Phoenix is without, like, being as powerful as Phoenix? Yeah, I think that's part of it. 
and right, you don't have any jukes. And oftentimes, like, your only way of closing out a game quickly at all is Kroxa. So if they have any way of stopping the Kroxa, then a lot of times all your work controlling the game kind of comes to nothing. There's also, like, a lot of combinations of cards you can draw where it's just like, these cards don't do anything together. So I've kind of, like, always hated playing this deck. And I think the format's powerful enough to just, like, get past it. I mean, Thoughtseize into Arcanist is really, really good. So somebody might do okay with this deck, but I generally think that it is not consistent enough and simultaneously too vulnerable to hate to register for a serious tournament. I had to look what your note about Ancestral Anger was. I had to look up Ancestral Anger because like the only card I could think of was Ancestral Mask. Which is <laughs> that's, a, that's not it's it. A completely different card. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that, that one's going to make the cut, <laughs> though. There, no. I mean, it could work. Like... <laughs> I, I am looking for somebody to kind of unlock this. I like that you can do it in one color to get some pretty good effects. Uh, even in just red, you can get the exile the top two cards of your library from the new set, which I think is a pretty good card. Um, but likely, if you're playing Arcanist, you are playing Thought Seizes with it. So, you know, then you can maybe flashback some two-mana removal spells or whatever. Something. But generally, I'm just, like, not super into the red-black, like, super vulnerable to graveyard hate. Also, sometimes you draw combinations of cards that don't do anything strategy. So, let's see. There's multiple sacrifice decks that are very defensible. Jund Sacrifice. There's the Citadel version. Citadel is, like, way more defensible in a world without memory lapse. So, that has come back a little bit. Or you can do Corvald. It's totally fine. I'm much more excited about the like green-black Luris-based. Well, they have Luris. They're not Luris-based, but they are really like cheap decks with Ravenous Squirrel and uh, Trail of Crumbs and Meat Hook Massacres. Uh, I think these decks are actually like really really good. I you had me at Ravenous Squirrel. I love mm-hmm. that card. <laughs> It's just so neat. It, it gets bigger for kind of for free. Oh, it's like a 6-6 six, six on turn 3, like, a lot. <laughs> so... Yeah, and it, it draws cards, too. Yeah. It can do that, but mostly it's just, like, as I'm sacrificing foods to my Gilded Goose or sacrificing my cat to my oven, it's getting just enormous. And, you know, your deck is entirely under Luris mana cost, and you're really good. You can find Meat Hook Massacre with Trail of Crumbs, and that really helps you win the sacrifice mirrors heads up as long as you control their mayhem devils. Uh, and you know, the, the ravenous squirrels let you kill people really, really quickly. Yeah. Especially with cat oven, like you mm-hmm. said, cause the, you get the squirrel works on creatures or artifacts being sacrificed. <laughs> right. So you get it coming and going. <laughs> yeah. So I think these decks are actually deceptively very, very powerful. And you just, like, keep going for... As long as you hit a Trail of Crumbs ever, you just, like, keep going forever and ever. And it is so hard to grind you out. How does it match up against the blue decks we were talking about? Phoenix and Control. Against the Control decks, it's just really how much Cat Oven and Trail of Crumbs did you get to before they, like, start denying you resources via Counterspells and uh, via, like, I have Gearhulked you. Archmage's Charm Stealing Oven is, like... Kind of, they can't do much with oven but the fact that they can get it off of the battlefield is kind of annoying uh against phoenix i 
have played Phoenix against it a little bit and mostly just like had good Phoenix draws that they can't do that much about. But I would think like Ravenous Squirrel outgrowing red removal is like a possible problem. Cat Oven can buy a fair amount of time just via like bolstering the life total early on before you're even attacking. You can't block the threats out of Phoenix, which can be a problem. But I don't know. That, there's probably some stuff you can do. And especially with like a Meat Hook Massacre to really like speed up the drain you out of the game plan. It Probably there is some stuff going on there. But I bet it's like it can't be that far away from a 50% matchup either way. That's neat. I hope I get to see it in the tournament because that sounds really sweet. Yeah, I do like the deck a lot. Uh, Niv-Mizzet is around. This deck mostly sucks, but Territorial Kavu is really good, so it's a playable yeah. deck. So not your favorite Niv-Mizzet, but Niv-Mizzet uh, Reborn. Right. Niv-Mizzet Reborn, yeah. You know, you have the Triomes, and you have Territorial Kavu, and that's, like, almost enough to make this a playable deck. Because sometimes you just play Territorial Kavu on turn two, and they just die to it, because it's hard to deal with. It's very big. There's no easy removal in this format that scales that large yep uh but i would not play this deck i think it's just too inconsistent and like way too reliant on just having territorial kavu and the right mana to like have any assertive early game stuff or else you're just kind of doing worse reactive stuff than everybody else for several turns and hoping to resolve niv which is like really hard against archmage's charm and really slow against any of the board based decks I guess I did not put on the list because I don't respect them currently. <laughs> the artifact based decks, like the, oh, the like monitor. Yeah. Uh you just have to play too many unplayable cheap artifacts to make the deck work. Uh there, there are no artifact lands in Astoric, right? There's treasure vault. Okay, so no. <laughs> These they treasure vault is yeah, it technically is an artifact land, but I meant like the Modern Horizons two ones. Right. No, none of the none of those ones. These decks do play treasure vault, but they have to play like this huge number of really not good enough cheap artifacts. You know, like Esper Sentinel is like okay, and then they're playing just like very cheap creatures, Stone Cold Serpents. Like it's really easy to just kind of run out and they have thought monitors but you kind of have to draw like two thought monitors per game to keep up and uh it's it's pretty not not exciting i've just seen it lose games that just look really painful all the time yeah it's it's like affinity and modern like actual affinity and modern right now except for you don't have the artifact lands mm -hmm. and the powerful cards that you can play in modern you just don't have access to it in this format so like right i get that everything's scaled down in power level as well but phoenix is really good still yeah and like the power levels aren't even in the same zip code i think the only thing that i like about the artifact x is that you get to play metallic rebuke sure but that's not enough and like you know you get nettle cyst and it's like yeah this is really sweet but kind of slow and boy did i have to play a lot of unplayable cards to get here yeah yeah uh, and then there's multiple green white decks that are totally defensible like you can still play like the archon of ameria company deck i think that's actually like kind of fine luminarch aspirant archon of ameria Arcana of Amiria is a messed up magic card. <laughs> it is pretty messed up. But you don't see too much of that. The 
green-white decks that have kind of supplanted it are green-white humans, which is basically mono-white humans, but it is splashing collected company and sure. gets to do that more or less for free. You are playing a lot of Thalias in your collected company deck, but ah, whatever. That's just classic. You're always going to have a Thalia. Either you, you've got one and you don't need to company because your opponent's crippled. Yeah. Or you get one off company, you know? Yep. This deck is, I think it's totally fine. It like kills you pretty quickly. It has a decent amount of disruption and actually has a solid suite of one drops for the deck now. Esper Sentinel is pretty good in this deck. Whereas in, in modern, like playing Esper Sentinel as a human is terrible and playing it as an artifact is fine. In this format, I think playing it as an artifact is terrible and playing it as a human is fine. Yeah, that makes sense. Incentives are different. Yeah, exactly. And you get Thraben Inspector to go alongside it, and you get some pretty good stuff. What is this green-white life gain you've got listed here? It's like low-key maybe the best deck in the format. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really, really good. So Uh, when when you say white life gain, I think of like the Ajani's Pride Mate style of deck, Soul Sisters. So this is that, but the pride mates are way better and the level of redundancy that you get is totally absurd. So you just have eight copies of everything and an infinite combo. So this is, uh, you have eight soul warden effects because you have the new one from midnight hunt, I think Lunark veteran, the one with Mm -hmm. disturbed. So you have eight of that effect. Plus, you have your four Prosperous Innkeepers, so you have a lot of Soul Warden effects. You have eight good Ajani's Pride Mates, because you have Voice of the Blessed from the new set, which just gets indestructible at yeah. some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but more importantly, gets flying when it's a 6-6. And you have the green-white one, like the Moon Sage or whatever from AFR, that scries, and you put a plus one, plus one counter in it whenever you gain a life. I'm not familiar with the moon. The only moon sage I'm familiar with is Tamiyo. <laughs> uh, maybe it's not a moon sage. I think it has moon in the name, but maybe I'm just completely wrong. Ah, I see. It's Trilisara Moon Dancer. Moon Dancer. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So Johnny's probably made this cries whenever you put a counter on it, basically. Right. And then you just add in uh, Skyclave Apparitions to stop anything from stopping you. Heliod's. And the the tree. What's the tree called? Ambassador Oak? No. no. That's, 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 that's a, the old... That's, that's a, a Lorwyn comedy. Yeah, that's a 3-3. Three, three uh, that... Is it Scurry Oak? Is Scurry Oak, yeah. Yeah. I knew it was an oak. I just yeah. had to go through the family. You have your infinite combo, which is any of your 12 Soul Warden effects plus Scurry Oak plus Heliod. Gets you infinite life, infinite squirrels, infinite plus one, plus one counters. But you also just play a totally reasonable mid-rangey, life-gainy game where nobody can kill you with creatures and it's like a just a really good deck it's not weak against like the mono blue deck or not mono blue uh blue control decks so i think you do definitely have some weaknesses there as i forgot to mention this is a collected company deck as well so that gives you a little bit of legs uh, at that point you bring in thalia's and you can bring in some amount of planeswalkers archons so you like have some tools it's definitely not your best matchup but you're not helpless and even game one you are a collected company deck so sometimes you put out a threatening board they have to sweep it you get to company and you can kind of ride that from there okay neat it's so the, it's kind of bittersweet to hear that this might be one of the better decks in the format because 
on one hand, I think these decks are sweet and they don't, they're not often at the top of a format. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, I hate these decks to play against so much. <laughs> it's just the games just devolve into some nonsense that takes forever to resolve. And yeah, I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> so I hope I do not see this in the tournament. A nightmare to play against this with a creature deck in particular. It's just like, what do you? What do I do? That you especially have three when soul they have a, in play, right. like. Can you imagine just playing a sacrifice against this deck? It's like, God, I need to find my Mito Masker ASAP because if I don't find it soon, I will never be able to kill anything. Yep. They just outgrow it and eventually combo you to death. Historic is like unexplored enough kind of that it is sweet and maybe some stuff shows up that we have absolutely not seen. Like that's a distinct possibility because there haven't been any historic tournaments at all. Yeah, if... I don't know how people would test for this. Like, I think teams will come to their own conclusions about the format and just, like, kind of silo off into that Mm because the results aren't really shared. There's no offense. Nope. Just kind of a classic, you know, kind of a throwback situation almost. Yeah, except for the the amount of cards and the way the cards were introduced in the format to this format Mm -hmm. is so haphazard. (laughs) <laughs> that we might also just see people being like all right i know phoenix is a deck i'll just play that you know sure and i mean i don't think you can go too wrong doing that phoenix is very strong so and it's like also just pretty good at even playing against like green white you can do a decent job of just keeping the stuff off of the table with your shocks that they may not be able to put anything together yeah i mean all the pride mates are two two mm-hmm. <laughs> on the when you, the first turn you cast them yes you have a window. They might, they might immediately grow to a 3-3, three, three, right. but you, you can still shock in response. You got to keep your one red mana up. That's important. Got to have them play with fire. Yes. Other stuff going on this weekend. Got the draft open. Got some store championships and can watch every all the magic stuff is happening in one weekend. I'm kind of excited for the store championships. I was going to play Amulet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as of Sunday or whatever, when you asked if I wanted to go to it. But then I found the sweet deck on Twitter mm-hmm. that was a as more time save deck, and I'm gonna play that. It's just gonna happen. I don't hate it. Sounds good to me. I don't know if it's great or even playable, but it's sweet and it's a local event, so I'm gonna do it. Um, you did not mention that a key part of this combo is Academy Manufactor, so you know. Well, how, is... how else do you possibly make enough artifacts to time save? <laughs> That's how you do it. I mean, I guess you could Thopter Sword. That's how people did it before. But no, we're going even deeper. You got to play Modern Horizons 2 now cards. Uh, that's just the future. And Academy Manufacturer is a Modern Horizons 2 card. <laughs> well, there's a few Modern Horizons 2 cards in that deck. It's just not quite doing it in the broken way that some other decks are doing it. But you got Sagas. You got Asmores, like Cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Honestly, better card than Asmore. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. That, that deck just looks quite fun. I have it all sleeved up and ready to go. And I'll probably make changes to it in between now and Saturday or whatever. Yeah, of course. Or I guess I'll probably play it at FNM just, just for some practice games. I'll probably just play Living End because it's a local event. And I generally don't lose matches with Living End in local events. So why change wow. things up now? You haven't encountered me at my most try hard in local events that's true 
I have run into you multiple times in the past couple of tournaments, but you've been playing like intensely medium decks that aren't like established <laughs> by turn three. So, well, I gotta try stuff out. That's yep. how I expand my range. Yeah, that's well. <laughs> most of these decks do seem pretty well within your range. <laughs> I gotta try stuff out. How about that? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm not expanding my range anywhere in particular by playing Force of Negation and Cycling Creatures, so I, I don't have any room to talk. I, it's, I mean, what's the judgment here? It's, it's a game. We're just trying mm-hmm. to have some fun. Yep. That's all you got to do. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. Yeah, but it should be a fun weekend. Hopefully some new stuff comes out of this set championship, and we'll see. You want to talk about Arcane? Because I know you wanted to talk about that more. No, we, already, we already did that. That's fine. I didn't give my thoughts. Oh, not okay. really. You can give your thoughts. I, I think the show's really good. Yeah. But I didn't care about half the characters. <laughs> like, you could take out... Uh, well, you can't really take them out because they're important to grow off each other. But the first arc was really, really good. The first three episodes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was incredibly strong. Yeah. Everything after that I felt was weaker. Mm-hmm. And I stopped caring entirely about like jace and vi specifically oh interesting <laughs> just in just in favor of victor and caitlin because <laughs> i i like the as characters way more yeah i mean i think that's fair to you know have sort of like your favorite arcs and i do think victor's was really really strong and and definitely caitlin's was very interesting but i don't know like the the vi jinx dynamic is kind of at the core of the whole thing so it, it felt like pretty strong to me and i was pretty there for it it's it's good it's just i i play a lot of like the riot games i play like a million hours of legend of terra mm-hmm. so the whole jinx vi dynamic after the first three episodes is how it's always been for like a decade mm. so that wasn't like new to me or anything sure so i was just like oh yeah of course this is what's gonna happen that's kind of how i viewed it that's the fair other but to me it like i don't have any of that like i haven't gotten any of that story outside of this storytelling so i think as a standalone i think it works like quite well i actually think it's way better as a standalone than if you've known anything else yeah that makes sense i just it's weird to recommend to people because it's like an advertisement show right for riot and they want you to play one of their games like league of legends or legend of terra or uh I guess mm-hmm. TFT or Valorant is kind of like the side thing. These characters mm-hmm. don't have anything to do with that. <laughs> so it's really League of Legends. Yeah. But that's not a game like anyone should play and try to get anything out of the level of that <laughs> television show. Because it has not it's not a game right. world story at all. <laughs> right. Liking that television show has absolutely no relation to if you will like League of Legends or I mean, maybe a little bit Legends of Runeterra because you can play a card game in order to like play with the characters that you like. But that's a little more a thing in paper cards than in an online I, card I, game. I think it does it well in Legends of Runeterra mm-hmm. just because the the game isn't it's a card game. It's not like League of Legends. Mm-hmm. In League of Legends, you're just like, you know, it's a MOBA. You, you do your thing. You're always you're constantly stressed. There's a bunch of time pressure. You're trying to fight like five people at once. Yeah. You're not paying Maybe attention 10, to any voice up line to ten if you don't like, like your teammates, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like it's really stressful. Yeah. Yeah, you're not you're not really paying attention to anything that would connect to our king. It's only mechanics. outside of yeah. Yeah, it's only mechanics. But the card game is a lot different. Mm-hmm. It's a way slower paced. You only play against one person. You have way more time to think, and 
when your opponent's thinking, a lot of times they'll just look at cards. They're all beautifully illustrated, and mm-hmm. you click on them and read flavor text, and they all have voice lines when they come into play. So yeah. you and actually you, get way more out of... You like, level up your champions, and it plays their animations, and yeah. Yeah. Like, I actually really, really like Victor the card, but it's unrecognizable from the show because it's so far... <laughs> like. It's so far along his story arc, basically. Mm, sure. But he's just a different person. I mean, I can see... I, I think we definitely did have two different experiences of the show based on, like, I don't have exposure to this story from any other place. Because I only played Legends of Runeterra, like, when it first came out. So I, I don't just don't have any, like, context for any of this. And yeah, I don't think any of those characters were even in Legends of Runeterra except for Jinx when you played it. Right. Heimerdinger. Oh, but, and Heimer, yeah. But he's he, he doesn't change. He right, was always he's right. Three hundred something years old or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> I do love the sequence of him going into the undercity. It's, it's I don't know the the Heimerdinger scenes are all pretty good. Yeah, there was a tweet that was a uh, length of arcane of the show, and like it was a huge stack of books. Mm-hmm. And then the length of arcane events. If everyone had listened to Heimerdinger, it was just a single book. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. He doesn't get enough love. Well, everybody thinks he's the most adorable, at least, so. Well, he's the only Yordle in the show, right? Yeah. It's weird. I don't know how the, like, race evolved in their, like, lore or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the Heimerdinger stuff was really weird to me because he is, he's a Yordle, right? That's his race. Mm-hmm. They're all magical. They all have magic. Mm-hmm. But Heimerdinger didn't he use just, any of it. Not yeah. even to illustrate his point that magic is bad. Right. And you wouldn't know that that is a thing for the Yordle because he's just a character. He's a scientist character in the show. That's just like not part of his art. It probably would like have overcomplicated it in a way that like that nine episode thing couldn't really deal with in a meaningful way. So he gets a little bit of it when he like makes the toy for the child in the undercity. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Just overall, I, this is like one of my favorite shows of the past year or so. And I definitely, if you have not experienced any of the legends of Runeterra or league of legends stuff, it just stands on its own and is definitely worth a watch. It actually got a lot of magic people into legends of Runeterra, which mm-hmm. is neat because I've been replying to their Twitter stuff. <laughs> Cause I, that, I, I think that game's really good. It's basically the only digital card game I've continued to enjoy past like the first year. Sure. Yeah. And I've I mean, played like all of them. It's also the only one that just isn't predatory at all. Yeah, it has a lot to do with that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, like... I mean, I guess, like, League of Legends isn't predatory, it's just toxic, but it is funny mm, that, like... I think it is a little predatory, because you don't... The whole model is based off of having enough characters to, like, be able to play multiple positions, mm-hmm. but all the characters are paywalled. You have to, like, buy mm-hmm. them. With c- currency you earn in the game, for free but it takes forever it takes a long time like i think it'll take like i don't know i don't know the math or whatever it's probably like multiple years of playtime. i i guess given everything i dislike about riot it is surprising to me that legends of runeterra is such a healthy economy and or you know such a friendly economy and that arcane turned out to be such a good tv show yeah i i think there's like there's basically only two things i expected out of riot from playing all their stuff mm-hmm. which was their their music department's excellent that's very good and then the, uh, I like the Legend of Terror a lot. I thought that game was really well designed. It has mm-hmm. a lot of uh, people I respect from game design working on it, like uh, Steve Rubin. Yeah. yeah. Really high up in that 
I think he actually just got a promotion recently in that department. Mm-hmm. So really cool for him. He's a really good guy. Excellent at his job. Yeah. And then Arcane was just really good, which took me by surprise. Steve Rubin, definitely an underrated Pro Tour champion. Has always been ex- an exceptional. Like, or did he just want a Pro Tour? I I think he just won a Pro Tour. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But has always like had a really had a really good head for just card game analytical thought Mm -hmm. like multiple times his you know like deck breakdown things were really helpful to me understanding how to approach a format like i'm thinking in particular of team or energy format like i would not have been good at that format without reading the steve rubin article about it that i read and then i like that really helped things to click for me in a way that i hadn't been thinking about stuff before so i i don't think i've actually read that article but i've read a lot of steve rubin pieces Mm-hmm. So doesn't surprise me. Yeah. He's very smart. Definitely. Anything else? That's it. All right. Great. That was authoritative. So I guess we better wrap things up. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We do really, really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeo. Uh, thanks again. And have a great week. Bye.